0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Inside the Walls Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Bernier, and this week we'll be breaking down Oklahoma Flying Aces action from rosters to interviews and much, much more. On this first edition of this week's episode, you'll get the interview with quarterback Dylan Van Boxel of your Oklahoma Flying Aces, and later in the week, we'll break down more action of rosters and other little things about the Oklahoma Flying Aces that you need to be informed about as we near the 2024 kickoff of the National Arena League. So no further ado, I'm not going to bug you with information and where we've been. Just want to tell you that this show has been previously recorded. Me and Matt have had a very busy schedule over the last couple of days, and we'll get back in the recording studio and talk about some NAL action this week, and you'll get an additional episode later in the week to talk about the Oklahoma Flying Aces. But before then, sit down, relax, and enjoy this interview with Dylan Van Boxel.
1: They continue to break down the Oklahoma Flying Aces, I am joined by QB1, hopefully QB1, a veteran of the game from Europe, the IFL, NAL now into Oklahoma. Other than Dylan Van Boxel. Dylan, welcome to uh, Inside the Walls Podcast and we're thirty days until training camp. How are you feeling about the upcoming season, man?
2: I'm I'm excited. Um like you said, you know, we're getting down to the nitty gritty time. So, you know, the workouts are going well, throwing is going well and stuff like that. So uh just looking forward to it. It's uh kind of that time of the year, you know, traditional football, you know, fall football, it's, you know, July, you know, so you're Mm
1: -hmm. getting to
2: that time period. So you're getting excited, but you know, you just got to finish the off season strong and just make sure you're fully mentally and physically ready for it. So I'm I'm excited though.
1: How do you do that as a player? Like football, when people, when Americans think of football season, they think August, late August to February and we go, yeah, I got to get ready for football season and people, it's, it's March. Like it's not (laughs) football season. It's football season for me especially for you, you've played in all seasons of football, especially overseas, yep. but when you say I got to get ready for football season, do you get people to look at it that I go, it's freaking March?
2: Yeah, so for me, it was really kind of wild because my senior year was the spring semester of COVID, so 2021, technically, uh, you know, the year after COVID, so yeah. we've played a few spring games uh, my senior year, I think three or four and i basically graduated in early may mid may went home for like a week and then flew to europe right after that um to join a gfl team uh after the first game actually so it uh for me it was kind of a little non-stop for a while so it was just kind of always like in season um but now it's gotten to the point where it's more so like you're saying like some people get, give me a look and i'm originally from green bay wisconsin so, you know, a little tough to throw up there and stuff like that. I, I live down in Kansas City, Missouri now, so I wish got a ton of weather though. Um, but Hearty you, people. <laughs> it, uh, it's cold up there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so for me, it's, uh, at, at that time, you know, it was a challenge being up there, but it's been a little bit better down here. I was able to throw, through, uh, basically through Christmas and stuff like that outside still. So it, uh, it's a, Bit different though, and you definitely get some weird looks when you know you're out throwing. People like, "What? What are you doing out here?" You know, so you get some looks and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's Kansas in March. Come on, that's (laughs) that's Jayhawk time right there. Yeah, yeah. They're
2: like, "What basketball? What are you? What are you talking about? Football right
1: now?" Well, you you said that you went out of high school or out of college, spring, 2020. that was like the Power Fives and the group of five teams played. I think one conference in the power, not Power Five. When I say it was a Mac, they had a spring season that year, did they?
2: Yeah. So I think because um, that was, so it was actually the fall of 2020. So COVID kind of happened March yeah. or whatever 2020. And then fall 2020, some teams played, some teams didn't. I think even like the Ivy League maybe played a spring season too. So it was weird. Like we played six or seven games in fall of 2020. And then coming back for spring semester, we finished the season with like three or four games. And so that was, it's something I've never experienced. It's something guys will never experience again. Um, and it was a really unique thing. And, you know, for us, we had a couple guys transfer in uh, at semester. And it was weird because they were eligible because it was still the same season. Mm-hmm. And it was it was such a unique time. It was kind of cool to go through it, I guess, in a way. Um, because nobody else ever will. But it was, uh, it was weird for a while. Like I said, I mean, it went fall. You know, we were in season. Spring, we were in season. Then I left for Europe right away. So it was just almost a full year of just nonstop football. So that was kind of a unique experience for sure.
1: That's a long grind. Now yeah. now, now, you're used to football season being the off season and then the off season being indoor slash uh, Europe, European football. Speaking about Europe, a lot of fans, uh, we've had a couple players here that played on the other side of the pond. They don't understand the uniqueness that is European style of football. Um, the rules are the same. They, they, they play American football. Uh, I've had former players uh, describe European-style football as high-grade, NAIA-level uh, calibers of certain leagues. European League, of course. The ELF may be a little bit higher than that. Sure. But what is the major, besides the different countries, the transition, the lifestyle, American national player, a lot of these leagues have three or four limits. And it's usually mm-hmm. the quarterback, a receiver, and a running back. Uh, that, yep. Those are the those are the, the international players. Yep. What was the transition like right out of college in Kansas to Europe, Germany? So, yeah, yeah,
2: like you said, like the lifestyle, you know, that kind of stuff, obviously. But mm-hmm. the game itself was just different because, like you said, so we had four American imports on our roster. And normally how it works over there, I know ELF. GFL, where I was, and, you know, a lot of leagues, it's you can have two Americans on the field at a time. Um, So on offense, like you said, usually it's a quarterback and then either like a receiver or running back. And then defense, it's, you know, that can vary a little bit. Some teams go linebacker safety, some teams will go, you know, corner D line, you know, different stuff like that. But it was different in the sense of all the other players on the team were local. So that was it was a cool experience because they kind of take you in as family. And that you know, that was a lot of fun, and um, I still know a lot, a lot of guys over there and stuff like that, still friends over there. So that's, that's pretty cool and stuff. Um, I actually was talking to – we had a running back, actually, from Belgium. Um, I was just talking to him today. Um, we're going to call uh, call each other next week and catch up. But it uh, it's a unique experience because, you know, in college, you're playing with guys from all over, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you go over there, and it's a lot – each team is pretty tight-knit because they're all living in the same area for the most part and stuff like that. So it's a very unique experience, but it, it was a lot of fun and definitely a very rewarding experience.
1: So you've played in the GLF, which is right under the ELF, but the ELF has teams that play GLF teams. Am I right? Or are they used to at one point? So
2: I don't think they play GFL teams, but I know like in the GFL, for example, like a lot of teams will have like a preseason game. And that'll Mm -hmm. be against a lower level team, normally from the same country and stuff like that. I don't think any GFL teams have played in the ELF um, or, you know, played each other. But I do know, too, that I just saw they approved like a player transfer rule. And I don't know exactly how it works because that was a big thing, too. You know, guys were signing with GFL teams and then someone's getting hurt or whatever. And then an ELF team would swoop in and sign a guy that was already over there, you know, a little bit cheaper because they don't have to pay for the flight and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of a big conflict, I guess, would be the best word for it. Um, but now they signed some player chance rule that you can go between the two leagues but you have to sit out like three or four games in each league if if you do, you you know, so it's, it's one of those things.
1: It's like pre-transfer portal.
2: (laughs) Really exactly. Like you got to sit out 25% of the season, you know, stuff like that. So, um, it's, uh, I I do think in Europe, the game of football is getting, you know, it was pretty big when I was over there, but it's only getting bigger.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and I do know a sport. It it is,
2: it is. And there's, uh, there's been a a few guys now that have come over and played division one, um, football over here from Europe. Um, we actually had a kid uh ben Byrd was his name he uh shoot he went he actually ended up going to i think his senior year of high school in the states and then he was getting recruited and then that's when COVID happened and he actually had to go back to germany with, i don't know if it was the visa or you know how that worked mm-hmm. um so he didn't end up getting a chance but he had a couple fcs off fcs offers and stuff like that so there's definitely some talented local guys over there for sure
1: well um, one of those beyond one of i know personally is brian warner German yep. guy uh, went to Florida State University, blew up in Florida State, and I think he went to Indy, Yep. Indianapolis, so that's one. And I think the Patriots have a either a lineman or a defensive lineman that's from the German league.
2: Yep, and then also, oh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but there was a running back that played for the Giants for a little bit too. That was from Austria, actually. So, uh, so again, I can't remember his last, how to pronounce his name. Little but little exactly yep so and i know like the cfl has the whole international pathway thing which mm-hmm. is pretty cool too where they can keep um and i know the nfl does too where they keep so many international guys on the practice squad or you know yeah. stuff like that so it's cool to see that and being over there there's definitely some talented guys over there well um, doing it's just, it now it's just a different feel.
1: so the colleges are doing that now with the two uh two international limit now Where have, I, I think it's two international players you can have on scholarship okay so that's but cool yeah that, that the one thing I want I wanted to get the conversation with you about Europe is that people real don't realize that it's thriving overseas. It may not be the football that we're custom here in the United States. It's not maybe as fast or as physical, but there yeah. are some talented individuals there that they play and they're like, oh, I'm way better than this league. I need to move up and they get the call or get the look, have an opportunity to get in the United States. But you've played – you played in two leagues, right? You play in the GFO or – yeah, you play in two leagues. Um, describe those two teams you play with. What was the ups, the downs, the competition-wise? Was it just – I'm just a football player, out of college, in Europe. I'm in, I'm in freaking Europe. Like, yeah. like, what was the mindset of those two teams that you were playing for?
2: Yeah, so the first team I played for was the Rostock Griffins, um, and I actually got that opportunity. Uh, I went to a junior college because I was coming off of a shoulder surgery and then Tommy John surgery on my elbow. Uh, Damn. And, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that was a and it, back-to-back years. That was a tough couple years for me. That uh, took a lot Ouch. out of me mentally for sure. But, uh, you know, I bounced back from it, thankfully, and redid some of my mechanics and stuff like that. But uh, Emmanuel Lewis is his name, and he was actually my quarterback coach at uh, my junior college. And he was the offensive coordinator over there. Um, You know, so him and I still had a relationship and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he was the one that brought me over there first. And I was fortunate because he explained a lot of, you know, how it would work, you know, to me and stuff like that. And then my offensive coordinator at the junior college, Sam Bedwell, played over there for a lot of years, you know, a lot of different countries. I think he's like a European Football Hall of Famer, even, you know, stuff like that. So I I had a, a good idea going in. Mm-hmm. but until you're actually over there you know you don't fully understand so going over there uh it was different uh the game was a little bit slower uh and i think for me i i handled it well um you know struggled a little bit early on but i know a lot of guys american guys have gone over there and said it's tough you know because you're so used to playing at this speed and you know this level and you know having guys around you that know the game you know way up here and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the german guys do but then you know there's some that are just great athletes that are out there just playing and you know they don't necessarily have the iq of you know an all-american hero of course not you know it's right. not their their natural sport but you know there's so much talent over there that it uh you know it kind of balances out that way but it, uh, it's a unique experience for sure um something i'm very very grateful that i was able to do uh, and like you said, just being in Europe is a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, I went to so many different countries. I saw so, so much different stuff that, you know, I always say, like, I did stuff that people save up their whole lives to go retire and do. And I was able to do it at 23, 24 years old, which I'm very blessed to be able to say and, you know, to have seen a lot of that stuff.
1: Also, what a lot of people understand is a lot of these teams, like in the United States, we have, you know, Pop Warner, Tapole, Move Up junior high school, middle school, high school, different levels of college. Or in Europe, they have academies yep. or athletic associations. That's where they they produce their own talent. And a lot of – I've talked to some players. They – one of their things in their contract is that the reason why they're an international play, player is because they also got to be a teacher in the academy. Were you a teacher at one of these academies for your teams?
2: I was not. So how it works and you're exactly right is, especially in Europe, sports in general, it's very like club based sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the bigger sports like handball, soccer, volleyball, you know, things, like basketball, yeah. they're all part of like an overarching club. And so for football, it works kind of the same way over there, except there's really only like the U19 junior team, it's called, which is equivalent to like high school. Mm-hmm. And then the senior team which so you know there's no really college there's no college football over there anything like that so i never had to we would go to some of the practices definitely help out and stuff like that it wasn't in my contract or anything i just thought it was a cool way to be kind of an ambassador for the game over there Mm -hmm. um and so that was that was unique too because like you said they don't really have flag football is getting bigger over there you know they're starting to incorporate some of that but like you said we played football from five six years old on so from a very early age, it's ingrained in us. And, you know, they have guys over there that are 17, 18, you know, which would be junior, seniors in high school here that are first time playing. Yeah. Like I said, you know, great athletes, but it's just, they understand the movement of the game, you know, and then, you know, cover two, cover three, or, you know, four verticals on offense and just the different concepts and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some guys though, pick up on it really, really well. We actually had a, a couple younger Sears when I was in Rostock that, uh, were newer to football, you know, just just because they were younger, but great athletes. And they they picked up a lot of the concepts really well. So just seeing some of that growth is really cool too. And then um, my second year, I played in Lubick, uh, Germany, um, and they have a very good juniors program. And it it was, again, helped out, you know, didn't have to, but helped out every now and then with them. And it's cool to see though, you know, because they love the game over there and stuff, and just seeing how quickly they develop, you know, because they are a little bit older than, you know, we are when we start. So it's a, it's a really cool experience that way.
1: Well, oh, you replaced a, you could say famous European quarterback in Lubbock. He's now and was with a lightning. I think or the bolts do guard, uh, I think
2: rain fire. The, uh, uh yeah, Dusseldorf basically is where it is, but yeah, the rain yeah. fire. Yeah.
1: Um, that's one thing I tell, I'll talk, I'll talk to uh, colleagues and I've talked to former players and I've learned to our fans is, if you're bored early Saturday morning in March, in February, go find you an European team and go we'll watch it. They may not be in a NFL. They might not be your favorite hometown team, but you'll find some diamonds in the rough. And a lot of those guys are either going to college. Some maybe get the invite to go to the NFL. There is a pipeline. And I always tell about how, how you see a healthy fan base. Football is healthy in Germany when they had two NFL games there and they both sold out and I think 20 minutes in tickets. So yep. that game is popular. So the GLF is not NFL or not European league, but still some good football. And you went through it, but before we transition to the indoor and then back to the United States, what was your best memory or moment in Europe, um, as a player?
2: Um, so outside of football, my first year in Rostock, uh, We had a group of eight imports total, four Americans. And then uh, we had an old lineman from uh, Australia, actually, which was really cool. Great guy. And then the running back from Belgium, which I mentioned, and then uh, a defensive back and like a fullback tight end type, both from France. And they like took me in right away, kind of made me part of their little group and stuff. And we have a group chat that we still talk in. So just developing those types of relationships, like with friends that I still have today, uh, has been really, really cool and probably by, by far my favorite memory, you, you know, just from being over there, it's just the relationships I formed and stuff like that, um, on the football field. Uh, it was actually when I went to Lubick the second year, uh, they were in Rose Sox league and division and stuff like that. So we played RoStock at home. Um, and that was a lot of fun just, you know, cause I knew a lot of the guys on RoStock Sox still and stuff like that. And so to, you know, play some of those old teammates, it was, uh, it was cool. You know, we ended up winning, you know, and stuff like that. So that was cool, too. But uh, just to kind of see those guys again, you know, because when you go over there, you, you know, yeah, you know, you you know, you form those relationships and stuff like that. But then you go home and you don't know if you're ever going to see those people again.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know,
2: obviously I had other friends on the team, you know, that I got to know really well. And so to be able to see those guys and even like some of their parents, who I got to know and stuff like that. And just being able to see all those people again was was really, really cool.
1: It's the memories that you share that will, you, will last forever. Exactly. I never had an opportunity to go to Europe. I Hopefully, I can go <laughs> to Europe in August of next year where my alma mater goes, plays, Georgia Tech over in Dublin. Okay, oh, um, sure. yeah. But I don't think I may. I might get there. Probably not, but I'll try. Now, let's come back towards the United States. Indoor football, 2023, last year. You played for to Topeka Tropics. I know I got to show it. Uh, you've seen it. I know that the stats will be inaccurate. Played yeah, for the cool. Tropics last year. Fifty-six quarterback completion, four sixty-one total yards, eight touchdowns. Um, indoor compared to European and compared to college, was it a wake-up call or was it a pretty easy adjustment? Indoor, uh, rules. I mean, excuse me.
2: For me, it was a wake-up call for sure. The biggest thing was the speed of the game. Um, and not in the way of, that people typically think when you know when you say speed of the game. It's just it's such a tighter space. You know the field's mm-hmm. half as wide, half as long, and so some of in and, and you have the high motion, you, you know, and stuff like that. So for me, and obviously you know there's eight guys, so the covers are a little bit a little bit different. But you know I picked up on the schematics of it pretty well, but uh, it's just the speed of the game, and you have those guys in high motion, and you know stuff like that definitely took me a little bit. Um, you know I was telling you earlier like in the red zone. It's some tight windows in the red zone so you got to get it out right now because a split second late it's getting tipped or picked or stuff like that so you know that was definitely a big adjustment you know normally i'm used to taking let's say three with a hitch you know on a certain concept i'm three solid and it's got to be out right now um stuff like that but as the season went on i think i i think i adjusted pretty well but uh yeah the first i would say maybe month month and a half it was it was a little bit different uh but like i said I, I think i picked up on it pretty well And it's a fun game it's a, obviously a fan-friendly game because there's a lot of scoring a lot of action and stuff like that so you know and I, I did get flipped over the wall a couple times i know my fiance wasn't thrilled when she saw that but uh you know like i said it, it's just a lot a lot of fun so i really enjoyed it
1: it's where the money's made when you get hit over the wall <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you got I, the first it happened to me
2: one time in my first ever game and, you know, you got the fans, they're right on top of you. you know, they're talking stuff. And, you know, it, it, it was honestly, it was kind of funny, and it was fun for me. You know, it was like, oh, wow, they really are, like, right on top of
1: you. So, your quarterback, the speed up the game from outdoor to indoor, I've talked to many former quarterbacks or current quarterbacks who are in other leagues. They basically said the basic drop is when your back foot hits the ground the third time in the outdoor game, the ball should be out. In the indoor game, it almost is like, your second step that ball should be out of your hands because of how the, the linebackers in your face, or of course, as you know, some of these teams, offensive lines are not, you know, outdoor capability or as equals, because there's only three guys out, at least out there. We got five, how the timing of that your back step. And that ball has to be out on certain, certain routes. Um, and also there you go right over the wall. Yeah. <laughs> right there, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, is that hard for you as a quarterback, or is that just something to mental your mind? Like, I gotta get it out. I gotta get this ball in my hands because it's not six seconds like it is in the outdoor game. It's like almost like three to three and a half in the indoor game.
2: Yeah, that was definitely an adjustment for me. Like you're saying, um, I think for me, like in the outdoor game, you always have time. You know, unless it's like it's something you know, quick game. Mm-hmm. Usually, you have time for that hitch, or you know, you t- get in your third step in your hitch in the indoor game because not only is it smaller, but with the high motion, you know, your guys just get to routes faster. And so, you know, say you have a 15 yard dig, if it's not, you know, which is usually three with a hitch, five solid, you know, something like that. If it's not three solid, you know, if it's not out on three solid, you're late. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a big adjustment. Like you're saying with the the footwork side of it, because you get so ingrained. I mean, my whole life, you know, quick game, you know, punch plant, but then three solid, three hitch, five solid, five with the hitch. In the indoor game, it's basically quick game. You know, it's got to be out right now, or, you know, you get to your third step and it's got to be out. And like you're saying with that linebacker blitzing, and, you know, if you release your back, you have to get it out because you're about to get hit. And if even if your back is in protection, you know, the, the MAC linebackers come with a full head of steam. So it's got to come out one way or another. So for me, that definitely was a big adjustment. I think the other guys that mentioned are exactly right, because you have so much more time in the outdoor game just with your footwork and things like that. So mm-hmm. that, uh, that was definitely a big adjustment for me.
1: I know in the indoor game, it's technically not a safety, but a lot of indoor teams use that Mac linebacker as their safety. They put a guy that was a DB and they push him back and the outdoor game, you know how they show Josh Allen or, well, not Dak cause he had an epic collapse in the playoffs. Can't mention Dak. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the last of the playoff game, like two weeks ago uh, against uh, the bills. Uh, they haven't should when they stand, but of course, they're mobile quarterbacks, but they know how to read a safety. Is there any of that in the indoor game, or is it just too quick where you can't read a safety? You just got to know your first, maybe possibly second read. If your third read's there, that means your offensive line's doing a pretty good job. But is reading the safety even a deal in the indoor game, or is it just more like option one, option two, get the ball out?
2: Uh, yes, and no. So, yes to both those, but no to both those as well. So, like, we, <laughs> you know, and I know it's. A terrible answer, but um, there are times where you know you want to take a shot, and so you know maybe you have like a pin concept or you know like a curl and a post over the top and things like that. In those types of situations, you know you got to get depth because they're coming. The MAC linebackers coming, um, but you usually do have some time to read the safety. You know if he comes up on the dig or the curl, you know you know you have the post over the top, yeah. and you know and if he drops, obviously you're throwing the underneath route. Um, but then there are other times where it's you know, one, two, if it's not out, either throw it away or run or, you know, dump it off. So I think there's elements of both of those. Uh, I would say there's at times less reading coverages because it is so fast. And you know, you maybe get the pre-snap look that you want. And so if you get the pre-snap look, you're like, okay, you know, it's one, two, three, make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, like I said, I think there's elements to both. Uh, for me, I think also like a big adjustment was I, you know, would scramble and things like that more in the outdoor game. And I realized very quickly in the indoor game, you just don't have the room for that number one or the time because you have guys getting to the route so much quicker. So they're downfield that much quicker. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like I said, with the Mac linebackers coming and stuff like that, you just don't have time for stuff like that. So it's a little bit of both.
1: Well, I've noticed over the years, especially in the indoor game, quarterbacks are like, I I'm, know I'm, this could be a bad comparison, like they need that Josh Allen type of physique, meaning they need to be mobile, but they need to know how to take a hit because the quarterback is going to be, well, you're, there's a, a linebacker that's going to be head chasing you most of the game <laughs> because you're sending your running back out for a, a go route or, you know, clearing the back, backfield, and it's just you and him. You got to have that type of build do you worry about that? Like, are you just like, I've seen some linebackers in this sport and I go, that dude ain't a linebacker. That's a, that's a D line that is fast. He shouldn't be playing linebacker, but in the indoor game, that's very common.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I get what you're saying. So like you said, like personnel alone, it's just different too, you know, because up front it's one-on-ones the whole time, you know, so that's different. Uh, I think I probably unnecessarily took some shots early on because I didn't understand the spacing concept of the game. You know, like like you're saying, like, you got to pre- be prepared to take a hit almost all the time. Yeah. Very rarely are you just out there running around and, oh, I'm, you know, I'm good and stuff like that. So that definitely took uh, took some getting used to and I took a couple shots early on. I think as the season progressed, I got a little bit smarter with it. I still think that's probably an area I can improve in. Um, just to stay healthy, you know, the full year and stuff like that. Because, like you're saying, it happens fast. And when the hits happen, they happen hard. So it's it's one of those things you have to get used to a little bit. And for me, the biggest thing that I learned early on, too, is the wall is actually your friend. So you stick it over, plays over, and you're good. And to be honest, the first game when we played Salina, I actually didn't know that rule until like maybe 10 minutes before the game. You know, like it was all so new to me. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to one of the rest before the game. He's like, okay, yeah. And, you know, just. Give me normal procedure stuff. And he's like, you know, if you, if you do scramble, you know, stick the ball over, you know, we'll protect you and stuff like that. So, you know, you, even in the highlights, you see some of these times, I'm just kind of taking hits when it's like, I could have just gotten to the wall and put it over and sa- save myself, save myself the beating a little bit.
1: I was listening to a, this is a little call, out busting with the boys. Um, they had Josh Allen on there, of course, and they had another quarterback and they even asked about when you're in the game and you know, you need a slide. Fans are screaming at you to slide, but the, your, your your player mentality, you go, should I slide? No, I'm going to truck him. And then you try to truck him, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Alan, Josh Allen had a great comment. He goes, I don't care what the fans think. If I know I can show up a dude, I'm going to show him up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Josh Allen, you go eat then. And he yeah. goes, yeah, then I get on the sideline, and I get my, you know, I get the offense coordinator blaring in his headset, like, you shouldn't freaking slide, blah, <laughs> blah. Yeah, but, uh, I, I I don't like to do uh, podcast drop, so that was a good one. Uh, yeah. But the highlights here, we see that you played for Topeka last year. This is your first iteration to the uh, the CIF now in the NAL. What was it like playing for Topeka last year? Because the record last year didn't look too, uh, what do you could say, good uh, from the statistic points of view. But you played in nine games, and unfortunately, they didn't go. They didn't go what one into nine, I think was your final record. Yeah, so nine. Uh, nine L's is not a good thing. How was the, the locker room last year, even with the, the, the season that it was,
2: you know, that's like, I have been a part of a lot of different locker rooms. I played with guys, obviously, you know, internationally, but even in college, you know, guys from California, guys from Texas, guys from Florida, Arkansas, you know, guys from all over, and honestly, we did have a good locker room. And we had ta- we had a lot of talent on that team. We did. Um, you know, we had Max Novak, who was leading the week for a while. We had uh, Julian Walker, who's an indoor vet, you know, played a lot. Uh, Ryan Martinez, who had some big catches for us. Uh, A.J. Ryan. Um, Javante Matthews, one of our running backs, really talented. And so we definitely had a lot of talent. And it was one of those things that, for whatever reason – We just couldn't get over the hump. You know, something wouldn't click. We'd, you know, have a bad series on offense, you know, mistake by the defense, things like that. So I don't think our record was indicative of the talent all the time and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, when you're losing games, yeah, it gets tough. You you know, and guys get upset, they get frustrated, things like that. But for the most part, I thought we stayed together pretty well. And for me, that was very unique because I've never really been part of a team like that, you know, where we don't Mm -hmm. win a lot of games. And just to see the camaraderie we still had and, you know, guys, you know, still having my back, still having each other's back in the locker room, I think was was really a cool thing. Honestly,
1: well, that's a positive thing because I I've seen locker rooms with teams that are even winning records that <laughs> you go in the locker room, they don't like each other. Yep, like it's very rare when you see a team that's still very close together, even though with the losses in that. Uh, and I watched Topeka last year in a lot of games. You were very competitive in most of those games. That, some of the games came down to, the I think, the last two possessions, like the ball didn't bounce the right way or someone threw a pick or something happened, football yeah. happens. Right. Um, but one thing I, I have to ask, um, those jerseys for Topeka, they have to be like one of the top five jerseys of all time for indoor slash arena football
2: that uh so when i first saw him when i first got there i was like wow we well number one like topeka tropics as a name and stuff like that i think is so great for branding and you know Mm -hmm. obviously um you know semi-prone you know stuff like that but um love that movie that's yeah number one great movie uh but uh I, and I remember I told someone, Oh, yeah, I'm playing for the team called the Tropics. Like, oh, like down in Florida, you know, California, <laughs> where, where are you guys playing? I was like, No, uh, Topeka, Kansas. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> Nowhere near the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: and I think that's part of what makes it so fun and so, such a great name, though, you know, and stuff like that, because it's in Topeka, Kansas, of all places. But, uh, yeah, the jerseys, I, I said, like, we look like the Miami Dolphins. And I loved our home, you know, aqua blue or you know whatever color they are but i loved our all whites on the road too i just thought it was such a good look and you know with the orange and stuff like that so yeah definitely for the indoor game uh probably one of the coolest and most unique jerseys i've ever seen too
1: i've, I've always liked the jerseys because i'm i a will ferrell fan and i'm a big Mo <laughs> yeah. um, semi-pro fan when i saw the jerseys i was just i was just waiting for a halftime show with a bear in a cage <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was waiting for it's like this will top it off for Topeka if they did that and put them in the cage. But Topeka was last year, so we're going to have to remove the last year's stats and video. This year you joined the Oklahoma Flying Ace, Aces in Eden or Eden or wherever it's pronounced. There's so many ways to pronounce it. What was your journey to Oklahoma, and what are you expecting for this season or were you anticipating for this season coming up?
2: Yeah, so uh, really Oklahoma started uh, – so, Coach uh, Richard Davis came in for the last two games, I think it was in Topeka. Uh, and him and I got along really well. We clicked. Um, you know, we had a couple meetings where we would just go through game plan stuff and, you know, just different concept stuff because we were trying to put in a playbook, you know, with some new guys and stuff like that. And so that was also just a very unique experience like that. You know, you here in the NFL, you know, a coach mm-hmm. gets fired, OC gets fired, and it's like, sure, you're going to keep some of the same stuff, but that guy's not going to have the same mindset, you know, as the guy that got fired and stuff like that. So that was a unique experience. But him and I worked really well together. Um, And, you know, after the season, said, hey, you know, we'll stay in touch for next year. You know, he wasn't exactly sure where he was going to be, you know, things like that. He was kind of waiting on the Oklahoma thing to finalize and stuff like that. Uh, But him and I stayed in contact. And I just, I trusted the relationship that I had with him. Uh, I know that he's going to take care of the players well. Uh, I know that he's been in the, around the indoor game for a long time. He's had success. I know he knows how to recruit different players and stuff like that. So just that relationship that I formed with him was really big for me. I'm, I'm so much of a relationship person that that stuff really matters to me. And that was a big part of it. Uh, you know, as far as like what I expect, uh, I know when they were in Oklahoma last, uh, in Enid, uh, that everyone talked about how good the fan base was and so that's something i'm really really looking forward to i know it's a very tight-knit community um you know it's one of those places where you go there and not you know everyone doesn't know everybody but it's so you know you're well taken care of i guess would be the best way to put it and so for me i'm, I'm really excited about that and i have heard nothing but great things about the fans and how well they support the team how well they support the players <laughs> so for me that was a really big reason why I was like, okay, this, this is going to be a good situation for me and something I'm really, really excited about.
1: Well, two things. First thing, um, we talked about this off air, but I want to talk to this about on air, a lot of, a lot of players love the hundred thousand seat venues, but you said that you're a fan of the smaller venues, but max capacity. Why is that?
2: So it's something actually my dad and I talked about like way back in the day. Um, he went to a school called Green Bay West high school. And they actually used to play at Lambeau Field, like when it was like in its very early stages. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, I was like, oh, wow, that must have been so cool. He goes, it was cool in one sense, but he's like, there was no one there. And it was empty. And especially like, you know, indoor football, but more so you think basketball, I guess. I'd much rather play somewhere that's a little bit smaller, but it's packed and it's loud. And, you know, things like that. Like, yeah, playing in bigger stadiums and stuff like that is cool. But unless it's, you know, packed, it's it's just such a different atmosphere, I guess. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I'd much rather play in a smaller venue, but have it be absolutely packed. You know, obviously the noise echoes more. And for me, it just creates so much of a better atmosphere and stuff like that. So it's something that I've always kind of taken with me. And, you know, I've seen it in a lot of different places. Um, in Europe, One of the we played at uh, one of the soccer stadiums that held like twenty five, thirty thousand. 30,000. Really cool but there were maybe seven or 8,000, y- you know, so it was cool, but it wasn't as cool as it could yeah. have been, I guess, and stuff like that, if that makes sense.
1: Secondly, you mentioned Coach Davis, Topeka, now in Oklahoma. You kind of did the transfer portal there. When <laughs> he went there, you're like, yeah, I'm going to put my name in, decommit, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then get a graphic and said that you signed with Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> you, uh, that was just that's not really a question. I was just like, "Hey, you yeah. did the transfer portal yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The season starts in roughly, well, as with this air, this show airs, it'll be exactly uh forty-seven days, I think, forty-eight days. So camp's within some like thirty-some days. What sure. are you more looking forward to in camp? Or are you just get you know get the team together, build that you know camaraderie between the team, or are you more looking forward to week one? That's-
2: uh, I would say for sure you don't get to week one if you don't get through training camp. Mm-hmm. And so you can sit here and be excited, you know, about week one, all you want. But even that's like the way I approach my off season is you can be excited about camp, but until you do the work in the off season, you're not really even going to be ready for camp. So, you know, I'd love to say, yeah, I'm Jack for week one and I am, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's training camp, it's building those relationships. It's building the timing with my receivers. It's making sure we're all on the same page as an offense and, you know, those kinds of things. And for me, like one thing I love about football is, especially like in, you know, fall camp, you know, if it's normal, but, you know, just in camp in general is the competition stuff, you know, with the defense, whether it's one-on-ones or, you know, inside run and stuff like that, because I love that because that's the closest you're going to get, you know, to a game-like atmosphere and stuff, you know, in that, in the competition sense. And I love to see, you know, where guys are, you know, where I am, you know, from a competition standpoint. So. As much as I'd love to say week one, it's so much more about training camp, like I said, building that rapport, building the timing, building those relationships, because those are the kind of things to me that make a successful team. You know, I watch Hard Knocks all the time, you know, every year.
0: Same. And,
2: <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, you see on Hard Knocks that, you know, some teams approach it a little bit differently. And, you know, for me, it's like I said, it's about building those relationships, that rapport, because that's what carries over you know, the football side is definitely, yes, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's about seeing the kind of guys you have on the team, you know, the relationships that you're going to form, how you are going to mesh as a team and those types of things that to me play just as big of a role, if not a bigger role and where you kind of establish the culture of the team and stuff like that.
1: One thing I've noticed about hard knocks, because I've watched it over the years, you can tell the the locker rooms of each team and I've noticed the locker rooms that love the practice are the ones that go further in the season than the ones that just like half, uh, you know, the half off half the yep. practice. Are you a type of player that loves practice or are you a player like, uh, eh, I'll take Tuesday like lightly, maybe hard Wednesday. And you know, like you 100% for practice for me as a player, I was one of those ones that loafed all the time. I don't play anymore. <laughs> so that tells you why, <laughs>
2: uh, I would say I'm definitely a hundred percent about practice. But at the same time, like one thing I've had to learn over the years is you can't get too worked up about practice. Number one, is called practice for a reason. Mm-hmm. But for me, as I've progressed and stuff like that, it's yes, obviously you want to perform in practice and stuff like that. But it's OK. Am I seeing the right things pre-snap? Am I, you know, do I have to make any checks? You know, am I seeing those things? Uh, am I, you know, seeing the defense right, you know, as the progression of the play happens and things like that? So. And actually, it happened on the in-season one this year. Uh, uh, Mike McDaniel was talking to Tua about it because Tua threw a pick in practice. But, you you know, you see the things like that's what it's for, though. You know, so if you don't see it right, okay, now we go watch it on film, you know, 40 times. And you go back to the film from what you have previously in the season. And you make those corrections and you make those adjustments. So I would say I'm more so like, yeah, 100% practice. But at the same time, understanding that it doesn't have to be game ready on a Tuesday, let's say. You know, that's where, okay, we're getting our base stuff in for the week. You know, what adjustments do we have to make? What calls do we have to make? And then, obviously, as the week goes on, now it's time to turn it up. Now it's, okay, we should be on. We should be sharp and things like that. So, I would say the first day, maybe the first day and a half, it's, okay, understanding our opponent, you know, what are we trying to do this week? Where are the holes? What You know, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses And certain coverages, certain blitzes? You know, things like that. And so, it's, uh, it's more of a progression. You know, it's like a stair-step progression, that type thing.
1: So they will close it out. They will let you go because you've been on um, with me talking on the interview for forty minutes, but we've been talking for, for longer than that. Yeah. I guarantee your fiance in the background's getting tired of you being on a laptop, so we'll get finished out here. Uh, no, what she's is a,
2: she's a, she's a Cowboys fan, so she can't. And I'm a huge Packers fan, obviously. So we had this huge, huge rivalry. I lost uh, my rights. Yeah, so we uh, we we said like when we buy a house here eventually. Uh, that was for the man cave. Whether it was going to be a Cowboys themed or Packers themed, uh, obviously, obviously the boys and Jordan Love took care of business. So we get a Packers themed uh, man cave.
1: Or you can be like my Jags just choking before choking <laughs> to the Titans before the playoffs. Um, look, I've asked what I've asked this question to every single player. What's the goal this year? Championship or bust, or just have a good year?
2: Championship or bust. I think for, for me course. personally, yeah. I mean that's you know, but people are different. You know, they really are. I've played with guys that are different. Uh, And that's, you know, what I was talking about, like, even with the pre uh, training camp stuff, and you know, you see the type of team you have, and things like that. So for me, it's always championship or bust. Obviously, though, like I said, you can't get too excited about week one, you can't, you can't win a championship during training camp, you know, you, you start building it, Mm -hmm. but you don't win the championship during training camp. So it's more so checking in with the other guys, the coaching staff, hey, are we on the right progression? You, you know, and things like that. So like I said, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned over my career is you can be so gung ho. Oh yeah. Championship or bust, and things like that. But there's natural steps that have to happen. There's a process to it and things like that. So d- definitely championship or bust. but obviously, like I said, there's a progression and there's, you know, you can't go to B without being at A and, and you know, th- things like that. So it, th- you know, no doubt championship or bust. but understanding that there's a whole process to this thing and, you know, just taking it one step at a time.
1: All right, Dylan. Uh where can the fans of Oklahoma National Arena League and the people here that watch Inside the Walls can find you on social media?
2: Yeah, so uh on Instagram and X, I guess is no, not Twitter. It's uh, X. Yeah, whatever uh, it's, it is. <laughs> uh D box uh twelve thirty two. Thirty two is my basketball number growing up, and then twelve is my football number. So that's where the twelve thirty two comes from.
1: <laughs> well, Dylan, thank you for joining me. Uh Hopefully, we'll talk later in the year. Yeah. Uh, we sure. better talk later in the year because uh, I do cover your league. So, don't get mad at the media guy if he talks bad about your team because you're not playing okay. well. Um, that's part uh, of it. That's part of it. Uh, that is Dylan uh, Van Boxel of the Oklahoma Flying Aces. I almost said Oklahoma City. They're not Oklahoma City. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. That's a bigger arena. <laughs> uh, in Eden, Oklahoma.
2: Eden, you know, Oklahoma, Yep. Yeah.
1: Get your tickets now. Uh, tickets are available. I think you need to call Mark. I forgot the number, but with that, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the next, we'll break down the roster of the Oklahoma Flying Aces here on Inside the Walls Podcast. As Dylan. I'm Jim. Thank you for listening to the interview.
0: Thank you to Dylan Van Box for joining me on this episode of Inside the Walls. And wait. Oklahoma fans, we got more content heading your way this week. Breaking down more of the Oklahoma Flying Aces as we get prepared for the 2023 season. So get that podcast notifications, those YouTube notifications, and Rumble. We are now on Rumble. Rumble has been popping off for us. So remember where to find us. All the beautiful things on the top of our screen: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Rumble, and YouTube. All inside the walls. All in Walls Pod. I'm Jim Rigney. Matt will join us later this week to break down more Oklahoma Flying Aces. This is episode 132. You'll get a new episode later this week, Double the Action. It's because we here at Inside the Walls care about our fans and care about the National Arena League, especially for the 2024 season. So be safe wherever you are. We'll be back for more action. And I want to say thank you to Dylan again for joining me this episode to talk about his career, his professional life, and what he expects for the 2024 season. I'm Jim. This is Inside the Walls podcast. We'll see you guys later this week. And attention, Colorado, you're next week. Get ready. We are getting near each day. We're getting closer and closer to the kickoff of the 2024 season. I'm Jim. Again, thank you for watching this episode of Inside the Walls podcast. And we'll see you later in the week.